become a patron. Patreon.com slash going off track. Suck on our teats to help us not suck on the corporate teat. Yes, I do think you could be a front man. Wait, indulge me. Tell me why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you could sing, you could. Why not? I mean, I could get on stage. I could, I feel like. You're a good looking like guy, Benny. My strong suit would just be between song banter. I mean, can you make a career out of only that? No, please don't. <laughs> I feel like that would definitely be my strong suit as a front person. And, you know, I'd be like the accessible front person. Like, hey, like, come say hi, you know, like, I'll come have a drink or something. There are those people. And they're usually the ones that are incredibly talented, so they don't have to have attitude. I wonder, though, if I was like a front person all those years, if I could have uh, avoided the excesses and indulgences <laughs> that I did avoid. No, no way. You know, like, <laughs> I feel like being a drummer, it was a lot easier. Uh, you know, I probably got offered like 50% less drinks, 50% less drugs, uh, 50, wait, let's go up, 80 to 90% less women uh, as a result. So, <laughs> like, I feel like it was easier to kind of lay back in the cut, take care of your job, stay professional, nice and profesh. You know, you're just the drummer. You in know? my experience, and I bet you've seen this, the front man's an easy target, but there's like there's a large percentage of fans who are almost too intimidated by the front person, and I've definitely been mm. witness to. Yeah, I've seen that. The too. girls going for the drummer and not the guitar player. What? Uh, you don't even understand that. <laughs> You're like, uh, excuse me, miss. You I have know those notes you were just hearing. I have sparkly <laughs> pants on. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely have seen that reaction. And that, that is one of the reasons I've always been happy not to be a front person <laughs> is like, I've walked out of a backstage before, not a backstage, but like out into, you know, the back of a venue where like some people are waiting to like me or get a autograph or something. And, you know, when I walk out, it's pretty comfortable normally. You know, there I've had some awkward moments where I, like, walk out and say hello and no one asks for anything. And I actually, like, began to just ask. I'm like, hi, like, do you want anything for me or are you just, you know, waiting for bride? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, just ask straight up. And then people usually are like, oh, hey, dude. But you kind of got to like break the ice. It's sort of awkward. Right. And I've seen that times 10 with like singers because people, A, they don't know what to say. But then there's also like people have a very deep connection to lyrics, you know, and sometimes right. they right. think they're being spoken to directly. You yeah. know, uh, they feel like they are. They feel something from it. It helps them get through something in a tangible way. And it's, you know. Like it or not, it's not the snare drum that got him through that. Like it was, you know, the messaging of the song. So I think just the the message of it just comes through like a little more powerfully. It's almost like you're meeting by default, like in your head, it's just like meeting a much more iconic person, you know? Yeah. And yeah. just because I look like Danny Trejo, <laughs> I'll talk a little baseball with you, you know? And it's just different. You're the better long hang, right? 
you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of touring and being intimidated by people, <laughs> when I first went on tour with Against Me, oh boy, was I intimidated. Mm. Scary group. <laughs> You know, they just like had their thing. They like, definitely were against me. This is like <laughs> my show. This is how we do it. Like, you're welcome to come along. It was like kind of rad. And I really like, uh, you know, forever will be thankful for getting on that tour and also sort of just watching the right band in action at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. They were doing things in a way that I just really appreciated um, the way they toured um, the kind of show they were doing, just like getting up and pounding like this really, really quick run of songs with no bullshit in between. Not a lot of bands were doing that. And I was like, wow, I remember we saw against me the first night in that tour and we're like, we need to be better than <laughs> we are yeah, because we are going to get blown the fuck off this stage like every night. Um, but then on top of it, you know, James and Laura, they don't suffer fools lightly, you know? <laughs> yeah. So if you make like an off-color comment, you act a little weird, you do something that someone else might give you a pass on, you're probably not getting a pass over there, <laughs> you know? Right. And even to the point against me would bring this kicker table around, you know, foosball for the layman. And... Literally a fold-up one that would live in the bay of their bus. I think sometimes even in the van. They were quite good. Really Oh, good. no, Laura, really? <laughs> Laura and Andrew particularly. Laura is like, like, uh, like the color of money. Like straight up pool hustler. Oh, shit. It, she doesn't take people's money. Right. She'll be like, oh, you want to like have a game? She'll be like, sure. And all of a sudden you're just getting smoked. <laughs> then you find out. The rule is if you get shut out on the against me table, you have to crawl underneath it in front of everyone. <laughs> so they shame you. If you get shut out, they shame you really? and make you crawl under the foosball table. I believe I had to do it once. Do you have to stay under there for like the next game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to. The only drinks you can have are the things that spill off the top. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not that bad. But yeah, all that being said, you know, it, it's one of those. One of those bands that takes a minute to crack, right. you know, and, and kind of get on the inside. And I dig that, you know, it's like um, one thing I don't like about touring is kind of that fake friendliness sometimes when mm. people get really, really intimate really, really quickly. And the older I get, I'm not certain why. Um, so I kind of appreciated the honesty of all of it. And I've always had a great relationship with them as a result. Nice. Um, yeah, so now James is uh, making these pedals that that the guys in Mercy Union have been using. Yeah, they're very cool, and it's yeah. crazy that he really just kind of conceptualized it and executed it all within you know the COVID timeframe. It's pretty remarkable for all the things we've been hearing about the past year and how people are trying to stay productive at home and all the things they're doing. James, he, he might have won. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You know? I was thinking this, I think is definitely, this is definitely the best like, yeah. COVID startup story I've heard. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's really good. And, and uh, even like there's such a market for this stuff. How many guitar nerds were sitting around all year tinkering with uh, 
tinkering with their pedal boards, just wanting to get weird, well, you know? Yeah, I was I was never a pedal guy. I was always the plug it in and go guy. Later, mm. I kind of started to get into pedals. And I have a few things now. Like, I get it now because it's like, it's like, um, you don't have to commit, you know, like you get a pedal, you play it for a while, then you like trade it off to another guy or you sell right. it, you get another one. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, people even though, are fickle, you even, are fickle, even though some of these pedals, they like, can get pretty expensive. Like you're not committed to them. It's not like when you That's go true. buy a guitar for fucking $3,000. It's interesting. There's really nothing for drums that's equivalent to that. No, there's not. Yeah, there's not. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You could get yeah. uh, percussion toys. That's about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to trade in my tambourine for a much brighter tambourine (laughs) (laughs) with just a little bit more resonance on it. Yeah. No, it's not happening. All right. Well, this was a a nice long one. We got into lots of fun stuff and uh, I don't know, play the train. What's going on, James? Thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I'm sitting in uh, lovely New Jersey. I know. In, uh, a room that technically used to be my son's nursery. Oh, uh, okay. In, uh, yeah. And now I have, I'm surrounded by boxes and piles of uh, pedal supplies and such. That's awesome. Yes. I know we've been in a very Jersey theme in the podcast <laughs> for a few weeks and we've had Chris Gethard, Mikey Erg, you know, some of the New Jersey legends. Yeah, I know. You're, I'm I'm a transplant, so I don't I don't know if I can like live up to I the, don't know, James. Like that's where I'm <laughs> I'm think I'm starting to give you like a little bit of a crown because well, A, your wife's native. Uh, well, technically she's a transplant as well. Oh, really? Yeah, she's Canadian. Oh, goodness. I know, but I mean, that, <laughs> I think that's a plus. Like think, any yeah, anytime true. you can draw a Canadian to your to your 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 graces, I mean, that's definitely a bonus cuz they're like, you know, they're right up there with the Australians. They're super nice, you know. That is true, and I guess it's harder to like cement yourself as a native New Jerseyan if you have like roots in the Confederacy or something, you know? <laughs> like like maybe a Canadian just like is a little freer to come down here and do what they want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I back that. I back yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, between like, you know, I know Vanessa as a New Jersey person personally and North Jersey, which is like the most Jersey shit you can get. Oh my God. It is so Jersey. Up yeah. There. And then, you know, your son, you know, basically bor- born and bred in Jersey, yeah. right? Like, born in Hackensack. So you're raising one, you know, like, yeah. I, and you've been, you have a lot of years under your belt. It's there's, true. There's always been that strange, like Gainesville, New Jersey connection for whatever reason. Like there you has know, been. Well, I guess it was more it was more for hot water. Like they had like a real thing up here with a bunch of bands, you know, oh, early that's on. True. That's true. You know, so yeah. I saw hot water in like basements up here and stuff. Right on. But yeah. uh, you know, so what do you what do you declare yourself now? Um I don't know. I mean I, I think I have to make up my own title. Right. Yeah. There's like I don't know. Man, you're like know. the reverse snowbird, you know, it usually goes the it's other true. way. Yeah. I've gotten that a lot. <laughs> and yeah, everyone there like, oh, you're going going back up to Jersey. They're like, oh, prepare for all the Sopranos memes you're going to get. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, 
I don't know. I guess, I mean, I, I <laughs> uh, Florida blood, Florida, New Jersey blood, Florida heart. Oh, oh, I like that. The t-shirt's coming. Yeah. Now, like, from from a perspective of yours, like someone who, you know, was raised in Florida and then came up here, so really got the, you know, the shock and awe of, like, what it's actually, like, the cultural difference was probably noticeable. I mean, are we as, as insane as people make us out to be? Um. I mean, it's a different kind of insane from Florida. Right. Like, it's it's more like Florida's just like like out in the open, like wild ass crazy. Mm. Um and up here people are, you know, like you're you're kind of like almost surprised by how crazy people are in Florida because uh. of, of all of the I don't know, like the memes and Florida man and, and like <laughs> right. all the crazy stories, you know, and you're yeah. like, Holy shit, like that's that's insane. And here, like people are just, I think it's, it's not so much like crazy or rude. It's just honest. Uh, (laughs) People are just like, I don't know, just more out in the open. Like there's no, there's, there's no hiding it. It's just like, you know, if you're, if you're an asshole, because someone's going to tell you you're an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. My 40 years in Jersey have got me in trouble quite a few times. And I mean, there's, they're not trying to be like jerks about it. It's just like your point. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I am kind of being an asshole right now. You know, thanks. Right. (laughs) I think for us, it's like it's like we got no time to waste. You know, it's it's true. Let's just get straight to the meat here. There's too many people, too much stuff to deal with. Yeah. It takes forever to get anywhere. Like (laughs) you just you just got to cut right. You know, get right to the point. (laughs) Now, I always notice like. I mean, I guess my anecdotal experience is more from Nashville because I got to spend some extended time in that city, not just like passing through. Okay. I didn't know that. But I sort of, well, it's just because we did records there. Um, And my experience there was, you know, the first couple of weeks I was really, I was kind of like my heart was warmed by the Southern hospitality thing. You know, (laughs) I really... I really dug it. I was like, this is nice. Like people are really nice to me. And I'm like, and then it took me like another week or two to kind of feel like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I think I'm being duped, you know? And then like, and like, like my Jersey flag kind of went up and I'm like, wait, 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 why are you being cool? Motherfucker? Like, what are you getting out of this? And it seemed like every time I tried to take a conversation to like the next step beyond casual, People were not interested in the least. So okay. do you think like there's really more of an openness to to people in the South or is it's just like a kind of like this it's a trail off of the custom? <laughs> you think it's a ruse? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's funny because uh, Adam Willard, yeah. he recently moved there, him and his wife. Um, oh, really? To, to Nashville. Yeah, they moved wow. there. Um and uh, yeah, from LA and he, his experience has been like, he's like, people are just genuinely nice here. So maybe he, I don't know, like the LA attitude, like maybe he just hasn't <laughs> right. like seen through this, you know, the fakeness of the Southern hospitality. <laughs> right. Cause he went from fake to fake. Yeah. He's just <laughs> like, Oh, I guess people are just actually friendly here. They don't ignore you. Right. Um, right. But yeah, he seems to love it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think Southern hospitality is real. It is, but, right? But so is racism. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing I got there, which was this idea that, like, sure, they're going to be nice to me, 
But once they find out, you know, I don't go to church and I don't do this stuff, then they'll probably still be nice to me. But a certain like door would be closed to me, you know? Yeah. And that, that's where I found it surface. Like they're willing to let you in to a point. You is know? it really is it really that like churchy down there like in Tennessee? I think so. I think down there I mu- I much more got the impression that it's not like black or white or you know, it's more church or not. Like that's kind of the feeling I got when I was in that town. Um you know, but but this is also should be said in these conversations is I am a hypersensitive Jew from the you know, New York and New Jersey. <laughs> So it's not like I'm like totally chill in these environments, being open. Like I'm sure I'm projecting like all sorts of stuff on people, you know? I don't don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds sketchy. Yeah, probably. (laughs) You've toured with us a lot. Yeah. So like, uh, but you, you're from the St. Pete area originally, right? Uh, Originally I'm from um, South Florida, like Naples area. Right. Well, not like Naples, like Naples exactly. Uh-huh. Um, that's where I was born. Uh, I lived there until I was about 15, and then I moved to St. Pete. Okay. Um, and I lived there until I was 21, oh, and, okay. then, and then I moved to Gainesville. So you were really like, you were, you know, you your formative musical stuff and starting to play in bands and do all that was, was in St. Pete. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like I played in like, you know, with some friends and stuff down in the Naples area. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I didn't really like join a real, a real, I'm doing air quotes right now, uh, <laughs> right, right. band until I moved to the St. Pete area. Well, I saw that, dude, if you're in a band called Scams with dollar logos, like, I don't Come know. Come on, right? It's pretty fucking legit to me. Like, as legit we, we as anything. We were punk, too. Like, How punk? Like, mohawks, extra oh, belt. Like, you were charged up. You were fully oh, charged yeah. up. Fully oh. charged. Like, you had a belt to hold up your pants, but then you also had, like, <laughs> ancillary belts to just show how punk you were, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, were you, were, was the band kind of your entry into, like, you know, being a punk, or were you, like, already kind of a, attaching yourself to that? No, I was like, like already, you know, dressing and, you know, I I was a punk kid like down in South Florida. Okay. And like, I remember I would still go up to St. Pete for shows because uh, my sis, my older sister lived there. Okay. Um, so I like, you know, I, when I moved there, I had like, you know, a bright green head of hair. Okay. And, you know, I was wearing like, I don't even know, like a Ramon shirt or something. Um, so you're already I, in it. I was already, yeah, kind of like deep, deep in the fold in my brain, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and then getting there, I had met a few people just from being up there, um, at shows and stuff and, uh, just kind of, you know, develop those friendships from living there. And right. I didn't start playing music there. I actually, there used to be this old, like local, like music magazine you'd pick up at the venues and stuff called focus. Focus. Um, and I put uh, an ad in the back of it in the classified section for yes. like musician looking for people to jam with. And Hell yeah. That's kind of how it all started. So you didn't even put guitar. You put music. So you were willing to go into it like however you could get there. Oh, I put I put guitarist. You know, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Just looking for other people and listed some like influences, you know, and I, I think those were pretty like. I don't, I don't even remember who they were, but I'm sure it yeah. was like a smattering of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, were you like, were you full on, uh, like 
listening to crust punk or did you or, or and stuff like that or did you also have kind of um an outside influence because you always write with so much melody you know um it was mostly like i don't know it was like street punky kind of stuff i think if i if i can remember correctly the it listed the influences like uh the damned the ramones swing and utters i think fear was on there okay um gorilla biscuits like it was just all over the place you know so it was i don't know uh crass was listed as one of them so it was just like a pretty wide array of of you know punk music what was that saint pete scene like at the time it was cool like uh you got all the shows like i think it was like the one stopping point because bands back then, I think even now, don't really go to Florida all that often because yeah. uh, it's really big. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and gas is expensive. So I think St. Pete kind of got lucky in the like, you know, the radius clause and location to oh. to uh, Orlando. So it's like, right. you know, a band would go to Orlando, but it's like, man, it's another like five hours to get down to Miami. Yeah. And Miami was like notorious for like bad shows. Yes. So it's like, we're not going to go to Miami. And then I'm sure people are like, well, why don't we go to St. Pete or Tampa? And Tampa had like a little bit of a scene, but it was more so, um, they had like this crazy, like DIY, like crusty kind of punk scene with like Asuk. And oh, then like, right. the, yeah. you know, the kind of like emo God, rock Asuk bands, like Hank there. Shaw and oh, yeah. stuff like that. Sure. And, uh, the, the venues over there were like mostly like nightclubs and pretty big, except for, right. like for this right. record store for through chaos that did shows and stuff. And then, I mean, there were other venues like blue chair and stuff like that. Um, but most bands like in St. Pete, there was the state theater. There's this place called the refuge. There's junction pizza that were all like smaller, more had like a, with the exception of state theater had like a more like DIY kind of feel. Sure. And, and I mean, I, you got everybody through there. Like, like every single tour stop, even like huge bands, like huh. like would stop and play at the hockey arena. Like in, when it was in St. Pete, it was called the Thunderdome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. Like, yeah. I mean, I saw ACDC. I saw Kiss. I Wait, saw you saw Ozzy, ACDC at the Thunderdome? At the Thunderdome. Come no way. I, yeah, right? Like, Come that, on. That's some shit right there. That's, that's awesome, yeah, right? That's pretty <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome. That's yeah. Crazy. yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, what are you doing tonight? It's like, oh, I'm going to see ACDC yeah. at the Thunderdome. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then that can segue directly into baseball. The Thunderdome turned into Tropicana Field. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Did next they... time people are complaining about indoor baseball, just know that you're in the fucking Thunderdome. Dude, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe no, like, baseball announcers have, like, gotten it. Because, you know, you listen to a Yankees broadcast in Tampa those two old fucks are complaining about the roof the entire time. It's like, true. If it well, hits the roof, they're just like, what is this? This isn't baseball. And the entire time they were missing an opportunity to go, Derek Jeter knocks one off the Thunderdome. <laughs> you know, I mean, exactly. come on. It's true. Missed opportunity. Right it is there. a total missed opportunity. That's funny, man. So, and, okay. If I can like yeah, segue back into baseball for a second. Yeah. I mean, being oh, we're, a race- we're getting there. Being a Rays fan and moving up to the New York, New Jersey area at a time where the Yankees are so shitty, oh, yeah, listening feel nice. to sports radio is the most hilarious thing ever. I can imagine. I did. I literally <laughs> just finished my sports podcast this morning and I made a plea, a plea to Yankees fans. 
to relax. Dude, they're like everybody. Oh my god, it's Yankees insanity. fans are it's like the, the most fair weather motherfuckers I've ever <laughs> listened to in my entire life. It's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, it basically what it comes down to is if if everything happening is not leading towards ring number twenty eight, it all doesn't matter. It's true, you know. It's like, and you know, that's like there's something about that I kind of admire. You know, they're always shooting for the top, <laughs> but it's also it's like a terrible place to live in. You know what I mean? Like you got to enjoy the sport you're watching from time to time. You know, it's like true. The, should the, be part the journey of it. is the destination, right? So well, like it's supposed to be our fucking entertainment, isn't it? It's true. Like I don't want to be mad all the time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. Like, and it's like something so like it. It doesn't matter. It's baseball. No, like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, you're supposed to like take your mind off of things while sitting there for a few hours and being like, 100%. oh, okay, that was okay, hundred yeah. percent. And I mean, and literally, I mean, you get to take. I, I've heard it in the last six months that how many times I've heard people talking about the Rays model of uh, team building. You know, so yeah, like. It's just the new generation. You got to have a lot of respect for it right now. But we're going to get to more race stuff later. Okay, if we, okay, okay. If we sorry, kick sorry. it off, this stuff, Brad <laughs> is going to fall asleep, start like carving Slayer into his arm if we keep talking about baseball right now. Um, now, I heard in another interview, and it just it was so sweet. So, like the pre punk thing, I want to get into a little with just how you kind of found guitar. Um, and I heard a. You said yeah, your youngest music memory is sitting on the kitchen counter listening to <laughs> Willie Nelson while your grandma made breakfast, yes. which is like just the sweetest thing. And it gave me this really like, I don't know, just lovely, rustic, you know, Nelson Rockwell <laughs> feeling of how you got into music. So like, what, what was that like? How young were you when that was going on? Um, I mean, I was probably... Uh, Man, I don't know. I was probably like five or six at the time, wow. I guess, if I remember back to that. Cool. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, growing up, like, the music that was around was always, like, old country, you know? Right. Um, like, Willie Nelson or Johnny Cash or, you know, like, the typical, you know, like, bigger names of country music at the sure. time. Um, Conway Twitty, you know, Dolly Parton, stuff like that. Um, and I, I don't know. I just really loved it. I still love that music. Yeah. Um, was that like on the radio growing up? That was like just all over the place. It was. Yeah. yeah like yeah. it was just, the radio was always on and that was what was playing. Sure. Um, and you know, even, um, being at my, and my grand and Elvis, like my grandmother loved Elvis. So nice. like, um, I mean, I know Elvis is a controversial topic these days, but <laughs> uh, I, I still love Elvis. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, just as an entertainer in general, I mean, you can't beat him. No. Um, so, yeah, it just really You're not started. not going to find pushback here. Yeah, it just really kind of <laughs> started there. And, um, I mean, growing up with, like, an older sister who is into, like, like punk and rock and roll and stuff like that, um, that's where I started listening like the first she gave me my first record uh and i still have it and it's it's a cassette and it's uh violet femmes oh cool um I, I still have that and so i listened to that and then like shortly after it was like the ramones and then you know went on to like i i don't know just kind of sprouted from there um 
but yeah, I feel like I'm rambling. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Like, um, I, yeah, I'm curious about. So this. that was like early introduction was to music was just all country, and then even like growing up with like having like those like the Ramones tapes or like Violent Femmes and. Like I got into the Misfits like a lot in the Clash and stuff like that. Like anywhere I was going, country music radio was on. Right. Like in the car. So I mean, even stuff like Randy Travis and Alan Jackson and Garth Brooks and like yeah, yeah. Brooks and Dunn. Like I can still hear like the beginning of a song and like the lyrics are burned into my memory. And I can right. just like I can sing you every line to Boot Scoot and Boogie right now if you want, you know? Like I mean I'm not going to, but but I could (laughs) like, it's like, you know, um, so yeah, it just kind of started there. And then the punk thing kind of came afterwards. Um, was there like a personal connection for you in the way that like, you know, sometimes I think it's easier to become a punk in New York or New Jersey or something, because you know, you're really not disconnecting too far from what's going on. Sometimes it's, it feels like a little bit less of a jump, than yeah. when you do it in Florida and, or, or, you know, especially like when I meet punks down in like Birmingham or something like that, I'm like, what the fuck did you have to do to become this? Um, did you enjoy any part of that personally? Like, uh, do you enjoy that feeling of stepping out from the norm? Did you like being outside of the norm? Was that any of your attraction to punk? Sure. Like, I mean, especially growing up in, in Naples, like right. there, wa- there wasn't really a scene there at all. You know, like, I mean, there was there were no shows like there was a community center that started having shows eventually. But like everyone there, I mean, Naples has changed a lot now. It's just full yeah. of like rich white people. Right. Um, but back then, you know, like in the late 80s, early 90s, it was you know, surrounded by farmland, like migrant farm workers. Right. Um, like the beach property was still like undeveloped. Like it was just, you know, like old, older families that still lived there. Wasn't Naples some kind of like really, really active, almost like drug port. Yeah, it was like, if there's like, man, I think like cocaine cowboys and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and other like documentaries and, and even in like, you know, major motion pictures like reference even if they don't reference like naples by name like that is like where the drugs were dropped like bales of cocaine and stuff were dropped into the ocean and then people would pick them up in speedboats and then you know run them over around the horn of florida to miami or even across like you know in cars and trucks like across alligator alley over to miami and stuff right um crazy but yeah so i mean there was no scene there it was just like a bunch of like you know, kind of country bumpkin families, like everyone right. wore cowboy boots and, and hats. And, wow. Um, or That's they were crazy just like, here because of the Naples I know, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, people were just like kind of surfer kids or, you know, like beach bummy kind of. Right, right. And then, I don't know, like me and my friends like didn't really fit into that. And sure. It was, I don't know, I was just more into like rock and roll and, I don't know, trying to be not really consciously making an effort to be different or standing out, but it just kind of happened, you know, and being, you know, a a 14 year old kid with green hair and a, you know, in a town where everyone's driving like giant raised trucks and wearing cowboy hats and stuff, it, it, 
you attract a lot of attention if yeah, you want did to you, or not. You know? did you, yeah. Did you take a lot of shit in those days? Did you have to fight a lot? Like, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, getting like chased down the street and trucks and like people jumping out with like bats and, you know, just like crazy shit. You would like, you know, getting called every name you could think of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I guess it was pretty fun or I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> like, it's, it, it's better than just like, I don't know, like conforming and trying to fit into shit you don't care about. Yeah, I guess you dug the excitement a little. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it was a little exciting. It's it's more exciting. Can you throw down a little, James? Uh, if if I have to. You get I mean, down? You, you get you down? Know, I, I've been known. I could see it, you know. <laughs> Listen, I know you don't think this about you, but you can be a kind of intimidating character. I don't think I'd, I don't think I like, like you're That's the type ridiculous. of guy that I know for a little while where I'm like, I know I'm bigger than James and stuff, but he's coming off in a way that makes me think he knows something, you know, like I've seen some shit, man. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how does, um, so how does this kid with green hair like wind up uh, meeting Laura? Uh, I met Laura and uh, our uh, first bass player, Dustin, original right. bass player, uh, the first day of high school. In oh, Naples. wow. Okay. Yeah. In um, Naples. In Naples, at, at Naples High School. Oh, okay. Uh, went through my, my whole day of, you know, like being a kid with green, bright green hair walking around the... The, the school getting fucked with and yelled at and stuff like that. And yeah. then uh, I had a friend, his name was Randy, uh, who I lived like, I didn't live in Naples proper. I live like out in uh, what's called like the estates, which was uh, this town called golden gate. Okay. Uh, which is just out away, a little ways from like Naples proper. It's like its own technically city. And I only, I haven't been there in, I don't even know 30 years. So I can't wow. tell you what it looks like now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I lived like out there and I had a friend, uh, his name was Randy Pickard. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I like, I met up with him. He was a year older than me and, uh, he was in 10th grade. So I met up with him like the first day around lunch and then he's like, Oh, let's go over here. These are all the, the you know, the kids hang out where all the punk kids are. Right. And, uh, I like walked through this hallway out to the courtyard and, you know, I, that's where I met, uh, Laura and Dustin and, you know, nice. a few other kids who are like you know skater kids or like punk kids uh there weren't very many of us and right, we were right. like you know kind of tucked away in a corner sure by ourselves while uh everyone else was you know doing what they did in high school was there kind of like that instant bond be because of what you talked about i'm sure if if you were dealing with that stuff i'm sure they were they were as well so was there yeah. kind of just that instant bond, like, here we go, like, now we got some crew and it's us against them a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the feeling of being like, oh, it's not just, like, me, you know, like, and my one crazy friend Randy out in the woods. Right, like, right, right, right. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's more of us. Like, this is cool. Like, there's a little bit of, you know, like a scene going on here. Um, and, yeah. And I mean, even like uh, Kevin, the original bass or uh, drummer of Against Me, he was like even younger. He was in middle school at the time, uh -huh. um, and like he was around. And then like his older brother, like was in a band that you know, kind of. I don't even remember what they sounded like, but I want to say like Jane's Addiction kind of style. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, but they were like, you know, it just like opened this doorway into like, you know, like even kids, my, my older sister hung out with like who, who went to, she went to a different high school, but she had like friends who were like, you know, they weren't necessarily like punk kids, but they were like, you know, the, the different kids, you know, like art art kid, punk adjacent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you started like seeing that. So you're like peeling back the layers and being like, Oh, okay. This goes a little deeper than just, you know, right. Finding your people. Exactly. Yeah. Like they were there. They were just hard to find. Right. right. (laughs) Despite the green hair. Um, Exactly. What was that? Like, what was Laura's vibe at a, at 15, you know, similar to now or. Um, I guess pretty similar. Like, uh, but like ultra punk, but like, (laughs) right. Like spiky black hair, leather jacket, like, cut off shorts because it's hot as fuck down there you know right yeah um it's like the tropics basically <laughs> yeah yeah you can't rock like the yeah yeah if yeah. you're wearing if you're yeah they, if you're wearing jeans or pants like they're they're slowly getting shorter and shorter <laughs> yeah yeah um, that's yeah. funny it's, how like, the, it's just the, it's yeah, the too weather, hot <laughs> yeah <laughs> the weather too determines crust punk styling yeah <laughs> it's true i mean yeah. i still have bondage pants you know but it's like they're tight and hot and you know i wasn't exactly the most felt little you know like like punk kid yeah um, yeah um, i hear you there punk fashion never sat well on my body yeah no it was yeah. like it's like damn it <laughs> I know. this looks so much better if i look cracked out it was like 110 yeah. pounds yeah i know yeah exactly that's uh yeah. and then i was like wow if i play like you know, I had like a, a Stratocaster at the time, and I was like, if I play a bigger guitar, like a Les Paul, it kind of hides the fact that I'm like chubby. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's like that. I gotta play bigger guitars. Um, um, so, so how did it go from like A to B? You know, where you know you were playing music together really fairly shortly after that, right? Um, uh, not really. Like Laura and Dustin had known each other from you know even younger than that okay and had like played music together oh, so they, they already had a thing when you met them yeah okay. um and they would like play in dustin's we called it the basement but it was technically the garage of his parents house and they had like a couple of things laura played bass originally she was like an amazing bass player oh uh, is dustin that why laura's was, always on online talking shit about <laughs> bass players and stuff <laughs> probably and uh <laughs> And Dustin was a guitar player and yeah, they had like a few different, you know, band incarnations and, and stuff like that. And I was just always kind of around like hanging out. Um, and then like, I had a few friends that I played with in up in or out in golden gate. And yeah, I mean, Laura and I didn't really start to play music together until, um, I moved to Gainesville actually. Oh, Okay. So, so Laura moved to Gainesville prior to you. Yeah, Laura, like I moved when, like I said, when I was uh, 15. So shortly after meeting, um, I moved up to St. Pete, but I always stayed in touch you right. know, via landline phone. There were no yes. cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and would like call and be like, hey, you know, like this show is going on up in, up in St. Pete. Like I can get tickets. Oh, cool. And, you know, um, my mom still lived in, in Naples. I lived with my sister. 
oh, okay. uh, up in St. Pete. And my mom like actually drove Laura and Dustin up to a show. I, I oh, think drove yeah. them up to go see Fugazi. Oh, no uh, shit. That's cool. Yeah. And yeah. then I don't remember how they got home, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they rode in the back of my mom's pickup truck. I might have been there too, actually. I might have been wow. there for that. Um, I love an image of that. Like, <clears> Yeah. Know, just like awesome. a couple punk kids driving up 75 in the early 90s. In the bed uh, of your mom's pickup. In the that's, bed of my mom's bright red fucking... Toyota Tacoma. And to go uh, see Fugazi, which is, which is yeah. to top it off even funnier. Yeah. Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, being up in St. Pete, like, you know, I went to high school there. And then um, there were a few more punks and it was like a easier to find the scene just because of all the, the shows and stuff that happened there. Um, and then I don't remember how old Laura was when she moved to... Gainesville, but I'm guessing like 18. Okay. Um, and then I was living in St. Pete. I moved, tried to move up there uh, when I was like 19 or 20 and it didn't work out. Uh, we were li- we had like a really terrible living situation. Like it was like an office space that didn't have like a shower or oh a kitchen. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. You, yeah. Um, we would like go to friends' houses to like, we had like a hot plate. And we would like dumpster dive, like college kids dumpsters to get like, you know, canned food to cook and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're proper in it. Uh, yeah. It and, was and, you were, and, and it sounds like you were pretty much like, <clears throat> you know, I know a lot of punk kids move, but they still have something, something waiting for them if it doesn't work out. It sounds like you were really uh, kind of out there on your own. Yeah. I mean, when I, I moved up to, to CP, lived with my sister for a while, and then um, I, I ended up moving out when I was uh, 16 okay. into, I met some friends in, in St. Pete that played in a band. That band was the scams. Um, okay. And I kind of like connected with them at shows and I basically convinced them that they need, they were a three piece and I convinced them they needed another guitar player. And that's how I ended up joining the band. Cool. Um, and then when I was 16, I moved into the singer's apartment with his girlfriend because wow. they had an extra room and I've yeah, kind of lived on my, my own ever since. That's wild. Um, yeah, pretty insane, especially now being a father of a nine-year-old. <laughs> it's like, wow. it's like, yeah, yeah. like, man, I was really young. That's crazy. <laughs> but it's um, cool. I like how in the, you know, when we do a lot of these interviews, it seems like, you know, a lot of the people were just like around in the right places and did this. I like how you, it seems like you used your guitar to like be your, you know, tool to get you into like the things you needed to do and to like, you know, solidify your life a little bit. I mean, yeah, I never really had like a plan of what I wanted to do. Like right. I love music. I love playing music. Um, and uh, like all the things that go along with it, um, like touring gear, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like I, I dropped out of high school. Um, I started working at a record store. Um, I just played music. I, talked my way in, into that band and yeah. we never really did much, but we were, you know, we were like the thing in St. Pete for a while as far as local bands go. Sure. Um, and then even like uh, joining against me, like Laura was going on tour and I basically told, I talked my way into that too. Like I was like, Hey, uh, if, if I buy all the guitar strings for the tour, can I, can I play guitar and go on tour? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, how many strings did that require at that <laughs> Not time? Not very many. I think it much. was like yeah. I think it was like a box of like twelve, you yeah. know, pa- 
pack of Ernie Ball Slinkies or something right. like that. That's way before the uh, the change, the everyday Brad Clifford change out. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> oh, and I mean, I don't I think I maybe changed the string when it broke. I never like right. sat down and changed all my strings. No! That was crazy. Who had yeah. the money for that? Exactly. That was, I was right. just thankful I wasn't the ba- a bass player or we had a bass player because strings are oh, so bass so strings are so expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you broke a, an E on a bass. Yeah, you might never not play, play. bass. You might play drums now. Yeah, you might just switch. Yeah, it's like getting it stolen. Yeah, yeah you're like, oh, I broke a string. I gotta figure we're something done. else out. Yeah, we're I guess done. I'll I guess be a lawyer. Go back to school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, uh, so when exactly did you, um, did you like make that arrangement w- with Laura, and did did it kind of just shoot off for you against me style from that point forward? Yeah, that was. Uh, so made that arrangement. I was in St. Pete. I was living like on a futon in my, at that time I was out of the apartment I was in and, uh, was living on a futon with my girlfriend at the time in the living room of a one bedroom apartment of my friend, Bob, um, who I still know. Uh, he lived around the corner from me in Gainesville where I just moved from recently. Oh, nice. Uh, Still hung out. Pretty That's much cool. on a daily basis, which is kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, weird to weird to go back there. Yeah, and yeah. it's like our birthdays are pretty similar. They're like a couple days apart, and then we both have like kids that are the same age, and their birthdays are like ten days apart. Like, oh wow! Super weird, all by coincidence. Like huh. just super strange. Sounds like you're forever tied to Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Marshall. That's his name. Most generic name too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then made that arrangement and then went up to Gainesville shortly after and like stayed at this like punk house Laura was living at and just kind of learned the songs and then uh, went on a tour in a 1976 Buick LeSabre. With, oh, fuck, uh, yeah. I did kind of spring last minute. I was like, oh, my girlfriend's coming too. Which <laughs> I was like, they were like, oh, great. I'll buy all the strings and bring my girlfriend. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, uh, but it was fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were... We went on that tour, um, had like zero money. It was like a month long, maybe longer. It was maybe a month and a half. Like we're, 90 we're talking per- proper, proper DIY stuff. Right? Yeah, like 90% of the shows fell through. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. it was like we drove up our first shows at Baltimore. The car broke down on the way to Baltimore. Laura had to take a, like, uh, like a Greyhound back to get it at some point. Like it was just a mess. Was, oh, you like, left the Le Sabre in Baltimore? In uh no, and I think it was in shit in Georgia, North Carolina. Like oh, we didn't yikes. even make it that far. And yeah. we got I don't even remember how we got to Baltimore. Someone <laughs> picked us up. But yeah, and then we got the car back. It was fine. Uh we played a few shows. We played in like Baltimore and uh Boston, I remember. I think we we played a show in uh, Pittsburgh and then like over like then there was like this huge gap of like two weeks, maybe longer before there was a show in Seattle. Oh, wow. So we just like uh, we had no money. So we just like camped everywhere. Um, Yeah, like camped through Montana for like ever, like which was awesome. Yeah, got over like did the similar thing through California, like played in Seattle. Then I think we played in like Santa Cruz and San Francisco and then just kind of made our way back over. Um, wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then after that, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of it. That's awesome. Now, did you, 
like, are you one of those people that when you went on that tour and, you know, your car's breaking down and you're going two weeks across America just to play a sh- one show and that type of stuff? Or, you know, were you just like from the get super stoked? Like, this is, I don't care what's happening. This is just great. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah. I was in it. Like, this is what we were doing. Like, right. I have nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. You know, like this is, this is what's happening. Um, and then, you know, getting back to Gainesville, that's when we like moved into that weird, like office space. And then I was like, man, this is, I was like, this is now, this is terrible. (laughs) Like like, washing dishes at a restaurant and like, (laughs) you know, it didn't have a car or anything. That was insane. So I rode like a BMX everywhere. And Gainesville is, you know, relatively small, but it's super hot, like washing dishes. And I was like, this is just fucking terrible. And I, uh, went back to St. Pete for a while. Um, and ended up, I think I slept on my sister's couch for a while again. And then I got a job at like a tire kingdom where Bob Marshall worked and, uh, ah, all right. and, uh, worked at tire kingdom for a while. And then like a little while after that, um, yeah, like, uh, Bob ended up moving to Gainesville before me uh-huh. and then, um, I had a couple other friends that lived up there and they like came down to visit. And then I ended up leaving with them uh, and then just never went back to St. Pete. I mean, at that point when you were, you know, going back to St. Pete and this, like in your head, were you like, I against me is my thing. I'm full time in this. This is what we're doing. Or was there still like some question marks as to like where it was heading? Um, I might have the timeline off a little. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't really, everyone kind of like, there was another tour that we went on where, uh, like it was like a super awesome tour. It was like different lineup at the time. Like Dustin had entered and was playing bass. And, uh, we played our last show in Bloomington, Indiana. It was like an awesome tour, like super awesome, like DOI tour. And on the way back, we got hit by a semi oh, and, right. uh, like the van rolled, like destroyed a bunch of gear. Like wow. we were, thankfully okay i just remember like a lady running over to the van as i was crawling out and she was just bawling and everyone thought we were dead it was insane yeah and then like the van kind of dissipated after that for a minute that might have been when i moved back to st pete actually Uh, oh i see yeah and then uh yeah like our drummer was gonna go traveling for a while and dustin was like he was done he was gonna go back to school and uh yeah and then that's when like uh no, I might have the timeline wrong. I, there again, I don't know. Like I said, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, that's when the acoustic EP happened, which was just Laura and Dustin. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then... And that kind of started getting like more... I think that's when I had heard of Against Me, right? Like around then. Because that, that record kind of got like a little more national, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I remember I was working at the sandwich shop in Gainesville this is after I came back, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, and Warren, I got Warren a job there. Oh, okay. And he was working out and I was just remember like casual conversation, like, Oh, what are you up to? And he's like, Oh, I'm going to play, you know, music with Lauren Dustin. I was like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like I was super oh, really? pissed. Oh shit. And I was like, yeah. God damn it. And I remember running into Lauren. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and yeah. then she's like, well, we've been doing this thing. I don't know. And like you, seemed like you weren't into it and then i was like well no one fucking told me you know yeah right uh, and then i showed up and we played and i was like oh that's cool and then it just kind of went from there again wow like, that's crazy that ever happened um, what if what if you never ran into warren again i don't know yeah 
I don't know. That's Who wild. knows? I love the serendipitous twists of fate like that. You know, it's true. Well, um, that's proof. That's proof to any young person listening to this interview. It's one of the most important things in music is just stay around. <laughs> like, it's true. You, it's you like, never if, know what'll happen. <laughs> yeah, if you if you think disappearing and waiting for people to come to you is going to work, <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah, you, you just, gotta get yourself out there. The party you don't want to go to, the show you don't feel like going to, go because everyone will just forget you even play an instrument. You know? <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, man. For That's sure. It. It's I, I, I know. And those people who are like, I'm such a genius. People will come to me. That they're not coming. Never. No. Nope. Not coming, guy. Get out nope. there. Yeah. Um, um. Well, I was wondering. You know, like. Laura's always been kind of like a unicorn character to me, you know, like when you're in a room with Laura is one of those people that just kind of stands out a little bit to me. And like, you know, you've been around a lot of people like that. There are people like us, right? Mm-hmm. You're just in a room and you're like, oh, that, that dude. Um, and then there are people who just kind of like, was she always like that? Someone who kind of like stood out from the crowd a little bit. Like w- when you met early on, did you think, this person has, you know, a little extra or was it just another punk kid? <clears throat> no, like, yeah, you're, you're totally right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just one of those like attitudes, the way you like carry yourself. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Laura has an attitude of like, you know, there's like that dumb saying, it's like, I may not be wrong, but I may not always be right, but I'm never fucking wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's right. like it's like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if Laura wasn't a musician, she'd be a lawyer. Like she'd be a fantastic lawyer. <laughs> right. um, like, yeah. So I I don't know. It's just like she has that personality and the weight. Like, uh, I don't know. Just like super confident. Like knows what she wants, how to get it. Like it's just that, you know. Yeah. Like never a doubt in in her mind. I'm sure that she was like, I'm going to play music for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. There's nothing that can stop me. Yeah, yeah. You and know? that and that was pretty apparent from from the get go. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I mean, there was never a doubt. You know, it's like right. oh, that's just what's going to happen. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I guess people usually don't turn into that. You're just either that or you're not, right? I guess I don't know. Like. I see some people, I'm like, well, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> like, like I, I don't, I don't understand that at all, but okay, well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, let's be real. Not everyone in a successful band is a real musician, you know, we, this is true. We, we, we can, we can safely say that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, looking back on it now, do you have a favorite against me song? Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. There's a lot of them. There are a lot of songs. Um, I mean, I like, I don't know. I, I like the, the ones that everyone else seems to like. Um, (laughs) I mean, those are fun. It's especially fun when, you know, you're like playing a show or something and then people are like super excited that you're playing that song. So that, that always goes a long way. Um, never, you know, no other feeling like playing a song and you stare out into the crowd and you're like, well, what, oh man, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah, like yeah. I thought we, we were doing this thing. Like this was awesome. And so now you're just, good. Yeah. Now you're looking at your phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. Why do you like um, tired? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I like a lot of them. Um, I know that's not like a great answer. 
What are like the against me songs you have to play where the crowd will be pissed if you don't? Uh, I th- I think you have to play like Pints of Guinness, Walking So Honest, yeah, um, Thrash Unreal, um, you know, like True Trans. There's like there's just a bunch um, that kind of come to mind that you know the the staples, right? But then I don't know. I like some of the weird like B sides and stuff. Sure. Um, I th- like I think honestly, yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot, and I mean, I think my favorite song to play live is is a weird one, "The Ocean." Oh yeah, it's just like a weird. Sure. So I don't know. There's like so much room for like kind of you know improvisation and like I don't know. It's like a good good one to just be like, uh, I wonder what happens if I step on these five pedals at the nice. same time. Yeah, yeah, you know? sure, like, sure. Like stuff like that is cool. Um, yeah, I guess then you probably don't have a ton of space in against me songs to to do that. True, true. Yeah, um, yeah. So like stuff like that is cool. I mean, anything that's like super fast, like those are like Rebecca is always a fun one. Right, like, like super fun to play because it's just like ripping, blazing fast, and then like you know a minute and. 30 seconds maybe and you're just like what the hell was that you know right right and then and you, you don't resent those songs as you get older no those, okay. those are great good yeah what about nar- narrowed down how about do you have a favorite against me album um i like white crosses a lot yeah um i, I like true trans a lot um i like shapeshift with me i like I mean, Axel has good songs on it. I hate the way that it sounds. <laughs> right, um, right, right, right. It's uh, so unique, though. Like, it's, you know, I can understand from your perspective, but to me as a fan, you know, because I was a fan of your, you know, group long before I knew you. And that's, I can't, I can't hear that record any other way. It's like, it's just part and parcel with that album, you know? For like, sure, for sure. The strange snare sound and the like, I, I don't know, I dig it. <laughs> the it's snare not... was a tambourine, god yeah, damn it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I mean, it definitely has a little bit of a St. Anger thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But people love St. Anger, right? Right? <laughs> um, In a good way. Yeah. But I have but a yeah, question from, yeah, about that. Because, like, when New Wave came out, you know, and I'm hearing some of the stuff that you were doing on that record. I, I remember even having this conversation with people where I'm like, Oh, I'm like, it's like inevitable that James is going to do his own album or something. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, you know, I don't think until that, re- maybe before that record, but you know, it was a real highlight of how well you can sing and how cool the parts are and how important they are to against me. That's like impossible to hear against me without your voice behind it. And I kind of had always assumed like, Oh, James will probably go ahead and do like a solo record or something. He's got, you know, he's got everything you need to do. Whatever, like um, stopped you from doing that or you just had no interest at all. Um, I mean, I've, I, I cannot write lyrics to save my life. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It's I suffer from that thing where it's like, oh, you just write a bunch of stuff down and then you like go back and edit it later. And I can't do it. Like, okay. I'll right. write a bunch of shit down and I'll look at it and be like, oh my god. And like, there's no saving this and just throw it away. You know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that just kind of stopped me. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, it kind of sounds nice. It's like freeing the idea that like you don't even you're like, nah, I'm I'm good on that. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I honestly I am good. Like that's I'm, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I, I mean, it might happen eventually. I don't know. There might be something. Not like dropping hints here or anything. I'm just saying, right, you know, right, right. maybe, maybe I don't know. It could. Like, I, I mean, we're I in the pandemic. A lot of people are making it's true. solo records of fake drums right now. You know, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This isn't over. Like, it's still the coronavirus yeah, yeah. is still real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I guess my like kind of pivot during this whole thing was like, you know, finding the random box of pedal parts that I like right. accumulated and forgot about in the back of the closet and then was like, Oh, well, I guess I'll, you know, stay up late and listen to like a podcast or something or watch like a dumb YouTube show and, and see what I can make of this stuff, you know? Yeah. That sounds really relaxing. Yeah. I mean, it is in a weird way. It's like a strange puzzle. <laughs> like, How so? Um, I mean, they don't all have to fit together like the right way, uh-huh. but they have to fit together. So nothing lights on fire. Um, <laughs> right. But you know, sometimes when you, they have to all connect a certain way to, to work, you know, all the components. So, I mean, there are ways to connect them where they make really bad sounds that are interesting. Right. Um, right. And I think that's just part of the fun, you know, it's like, oh. what if, what happens if I do this here, you know, and then just kind of learning from that. Um, um. This is awesome. So this is a perfect segue into a, a segment I came up with just for you, James. Oh, wow. So okay. as you, Brad's a guitar player. Yes. And yes, often when we have guitar players on here, you know, there are sections of the interview that sound like fucking Tape Op magazine. <laughs> okay. Um, and now that you're a pedal maker and you're even deeper into this world than you've ever been, I yes. came up with a segment called Nerd Corner for All you right. guys. Awesome. And I have a couple audio questions coming in from people you may or may not know. Okay. Who are going to ask you a nerdy guitar and pedal question. Oh, I love this. <laughs> now, Brad, please fire up the first segment of Nerd Corn. Hi, James. When you were developing the Bowman, did you use any kind of schematics or did you just try to use your ears and base it off of the original circuit? Ooh. This that's, is fun. That's, that's Rocky <laughs> from Mercy Union. I, I thought it might have been. Yeah, and uh, you know Rocky is probably almost as big of a nerd as you. Uh, he might be a bigger nerd. <laughs> and I mean that in the most, like, sure, yes. you know, like praising way possible. Yeah, in the most um, revenge of the nerds way possible. Yes, exactly. Sure. Uh, he's a leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the Bowman was based off of... Um, the Klon Centaur, which is like the most sought after, famous, whatever, overdrive ever out there to some people. Um, and I am lucky enough to have one myself, one of the original ones. Does um, that mean it's quite expensive because it's sought after? They, there's not a lot of them. The guy who made them, Bill Finnegan, um, is kind of a weird reclusive uh, gentleman and had you know made them for a while. So I, I'm not sure how many are actually out there, but he stopped making them um, for a very long time. And then they just kind of became like sought after. There's like a few different versions of it. Hmm. Um, each of them a little different, but the circuit for like, if you take the back cover off the pedal, um, the inside, the circuit board is like gooped with like epoxy. So you can't see what it is. Uh, Whoa, really? Yeah. Cool. Um, 
<laughs> so I was lucky enough to to acquire one of these and uh, was playing with it for a while and had looked at um, a few schematics online and everyone just kind of took a stab at it and, you know, kind of came up with, with like what, maybe what diodes he was using or maybe, uh, you know, like what, what, I don't know, like what kind of uh, resistors were here and, and, you know, just kind of made their own kind of like, I don't know, assumptions of what, well, you can see some of the components through the, through the goop, you know? So, right. Right. Um, I took mine apart, uh, on the back of it, there are some solder points that are not gooped. So I would measure some, some values of things. Hmm. Uh, I would compare them with some, um, some schematics I found online and just kind of made my own assumptions and, uh, put a couple together, tested them against the original and they sounded pretty close. Oh. Uh, which I thought was kind of cool. It's total detective um, work, man. Yeah. It's like, made like a couple other changes here and there. And now it's just kind of, it's sure it's based off like my silver clone centaur that I have. Um, but I think it just kind of sounds like its own thing now. It has like, you know, a little higher gain. Um, yeah. I think the like EQ sweep of the, the, the tone knob is a little different. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it still does the things that it does, like what a clone can do, and a little more. Nice there is how I would like to put it. Love it, Brad. <laughs> you think that that was that? You're my. You got to be my nerd barometer here. That seemed like an appropriate answer. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. just love the detective work because I think that's like that's pretty intense. That's got to be really time. There's uh, yeah. Intensive. There's I can't. I'm like failing to remember the name of. There's this site that does like a breakdown of like circuits. Yeah. Um, and they do like every aspect of the circuit, like the bias grid network, uh, the, right. you know, like the gain structure. The, and they do one on a sensor. So I did a lot of research search on that. Um, I played, you know, mine. I've played others in the past. I have a few like different clones of them as well. Um, a lot of people make, make their version of it, you know. Um, and I didn't really plan on making that being like the one pedal, you know, but it just kind of, I sent a, made a few, sent a few to people. Um, and then, uh, people seem to really love it and it's just kind of done its own thing. So, so is it true that you've just been doing this like in the last year and a half? Um, it's been, I mean, is this like a COVID project? (laughs) For real? Uh, yeah, like it really That's has been. Crazy. Like I tinkered with stuff a little bit uh, beforehand, in you know, like blew up ICs and melted stuff, and and you know made a few things, and then they would work for a little while, and then not. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I think the actual launch anniversary of the Bowman Audio Endeavors is actually uh, Sunday, the eighteenth. Oh, cool. I think will be oh, one wow. year. Um, congratulations. Thank you. And yeah, just doing research and seeing how like with, when technology, with technology changing and, you know, like saying even for like, right. You're like producing and putting out your own music. The same thing is true for other, you know, other aspects of, of, of the music industry or just, uh, I mean, like things in general, like you can build your own computer. You can, you could probably figure out how to build your own fucking cell phone. Right. Uh, right. You could, you know, and along with that, like the DIY pedal community is huge. Like, right. 
there are so many people out there that build awesome, awesome pedals and just starting this and like reaching out to those people. Everyone I've talked to has been super friendly, super helpful with questions. Like you meet people that do like schematic, like I can read a schematic and I can build it on a strip board. I can't lay out a PCB like designed to save my life. Like I've done it. They don't work. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, I'm, I'm learning. I've only been doing this for a little while, but I'm slowly learning, but you meet people that they do that. You can like, you know, right. throw them a few bucks and they'll be like, Oh, I'll help you out. And then like help you learn along the way. Um, that's cool. And so it's like this little community of DIY builders as well. And there's a ton of them out there and everyone I've talked to and, and reached out for like advice and, and help has been super awesome. Um, so how many pedals do you have now? Uh, technically, like when I first started, I would just build some like clones of things um, and would just kind of be like, I don't know if anybody wants a delay. Hey, I made these three delays, you know, uh-huh. um, and same with like a, a couple other things. Um, but now I have the the Bowman overdrive, which is like the con take. Um, I have like a boost pedal, which is called the fortune and glory. Um that is kind of has like, I don't know if you've seen a picture of it. It kind of looks, it's yeah. based like the graphics are based around like Indiana Jones. Cool. Um, Brad Clifford designed that. <laughs> uh, he also did the light. He's done the layout art design stuff for all of the pedals. Oh, cool. um, yeah. I was going to say, I appreciate, you know, from a non, you know, I, I don't know what's going inside these pedals, but uh, I appreciate the sleekness and like the simplicity of the design. It's very sharp. And I, and I see a lot of them that go the exact other way, you know, trying yeah. to like stand out with like really bright colors and weird graphics and calling it crazy shit. I like yeah. it. It's a very classy, a very classy presentation. Thank you. Um, I'm trying to keep it like kind of simple and naming things is super. I know, you know, being a musician and, and stuff like name, trying to name a song or name <laughs> right. your children or anything <laughs> is really difficult. And it's even more difficult in the pedal world because there's only so many names. I'm <laughs> sure all of them have been used. And if you use something that that is kind of in reference to something that's super well known, you're probably going to get like a cease and desist, like trademark infringement, <laughs> wow, like, yeah, like yeah. letter. Um, and then the last pedal is uh, the pedal that was my design. Um, I got some help with the, the layout and stuff um, from this company called adventure audio. Uh, some dudes in New York It's called the hot potato. Right. Um, that's a good name. That's the Marshall. And, yeah. Pedal, I mean, right? It's a hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> Is the percolator not a, not a regular model for you? No, it's not. Cause that's the one I listened to some videos and that was the one that I was like, Oh, this is the pedal I might like. It did sound really good. Yeah. Um, and I made a few of them and then in my, like, uh, you know, reaching out to other people in the DIY community, like some of them have their versions of a percolator uh-huh. and I didn't want to like try to step on anyone's toes or try to like, you know, try to do something else that someone else was doing. Um, so I was just kind of like staying away from that circuit. Oh, okay. So I made a few of them just because it was fun. And I also love, love that circuit. Um, I only made three of them, two of which, uh, one I sold to Brian Venable, uh, <laughs> that plays in Lucero, Oh, nice. And he was like, oh, this pedal is insane. He's like, I got to get another one. I was like, <laughs> I don't have any more. I only made three. <laughs> right. Someone bought one. I sold you one and I kept one for myself. 
And then he's like, it sounds insane. It's crazy. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, it's like Steve Albini's like favorite pedal. And he's like, who the hell is Steve Albini? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, like big black schlack. Uh, yeah. And he's like, and he's like, I listen to that schlack stuff. Not for me. He's like, love this pedal though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That's so Lucero yeah. that they have no yeah. idea who Steve Albini is. Yeah, he's like, what? Steve what? All right, cool. That's um, fucking hilarious. And then, uh, so I ended up just sending him the one I made for myself. So I don't even have one. Oh, um, I see. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, just take this one. Well, you're setting the market for the for the future. This is yeah. gonna be one worth worth millions. I hope so. All right. So speaking <laughs> of speaking of who we just mentioned, okay, Brad, let's roll let's roll number two here Uh-oh. of Nerd Corner. Hi, James. This is Brad from <laughs> Seattle. Big fan, and I would love to meet you someday. Aww. Question for you. <laughs> is if you had to pick one fuzz pedal to live on your pedal board for the rest of your days, which one would you pick and why? Fuzz pedal. And my second question, oh, two questions. is of all the pedals that you have made, which one is your favorite and why? Wow. <laughs> Brad, always extensive. Yeah. Thorough. Thorough guy. He's very thorough. Uh, I don't really use fuzz pedals on my pedal board. Shouldn't, I also shouldn't Brad know that? Well, I mean, there's like... Okay, sure. There's one. I uh, I think my favorite. Uh, it's still on my board. I haven't seen my pedal board in like almost two years, too. Oh, right. Like it's an, it, so I don't even remember what's on it. Let me see if I can find a picture real quick. But um, I believe it's just with all your against me shit locked up somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, technically, I think there's only one fuzz pedal on it. So I guess that would be my favorite, and it's been the only one that's been on there for a while. Um, and it's by this company called Smart People Factory, which went out of business about 10 years ago. Um, love their pedals. Um, and it's called the Red Threat. It's based on um, a Russian Big Muff. Um, and I tend to, I made a few of those myself. And I tend to lean on that circuit a lot. I really like it a lot. Um, so I guess the answer to that question would be a Big Muff uh, of the green Russian variety. Okay. Um, and then favorite pedal I've made. Uh, I mean, the only pedal that has been a 100% like design on my own, because there's only so many pedals out there, you know, or, or schematics or anything you can go for. Um, right. I love the hot potato, but no one else seems to really like it. <laughs> oh, really? Is it the, yeah. the, the lowest it's, seller thus far? It's the least favorite. Um, oh, huh. but you know, that's fine. I mean, I'm just starting. It's only been a year. Yeah, and you know, mad. listen, you know from being in a band for so long that that quality doesn't always determine sales. You know, it's true. So, so the the good stuff will shine through eventually. Yeah, maybe I'll I mean, buy it. It'll get there. Maybe yeah. that'll be my first pedal, James. Your first pedal. You <laughs> yeah. know, you can use pedals on drums too. Oh yeah. You know what? I've thought about it, and uh, then that's about as far as I went because I'm yeah. a luddite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well that's um, awesome yeah i mean i like i like the of the three i currently have i think they're all great um they all do something a little different and i mean i love them all equally yeah you're quite the salesman yeah um well usually we would go into a uh, segment called mystery friend here but since my last nerd corner question <laughs> is the same as my mystery friend. We're not even going to bother because you would have guessed it so easily. Okay. But there is a question from the same cat in quotes, James, 
you're a lovable and gentle man. <laughs> but let's shine a brief light into the power of your darkness. Please tell us what happens when a stranger is on top of your bus in Boise, Idaho. Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay, so we were on tour. I don't remember when. Uh, it was a little while ago. We played a show in Boise. Can't remember the name of the venue. Might even be a knitting factory. Um, Boise's got things, a knitting factory? Uh, yeah, right. there's like a few of them around. And I think that might have turned into one. Um, it's like you've been there. It's like the place that's like down in the downtown, like Boise oh, like area. The one place in Boise. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. brick outside. There's yep. a loading dock. There's like exactly. a gay bar that everyone goes and drinks at afterwards right. across the street. A thousand um, percent know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it turned into a knitting factory briefly. Okay. So we played a show there. Um, and like you do after some gigs, you have some beverages. Um, I had a few. I put myself to sleep. <laughs> uh, I woke up to the bus kind of, you know, a loud thump on, on top of the bus and like some ruckus. And are you in a, are you in a bunk? I'm in my bunk. Are, in my you, boxers. Uh, are you a top bunk, bottom bunk? I take middle driver's side, first row, middle. Oh, I'm with you, dog. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my spot. I'm a middleman too. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I like, I like that spot. It's easy. To me, it's the easiest entry and exit. It's true. Like the top bunk, like I'm kind of short. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't want to like climb up while no. people are trying to sleep and stuff. No. The bottom bunk, I used to do the bottom and then like, I don't know. It's like where all the shoes gather. Yeah, so and close like, to feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm like, I'm not, I'm not into it. Middle is like a safe, safe bet for me. Same, same. Um, so yeah. So I hear a ruckus out front. I hear people arguing. Um, I kind of like come out of my drunken, you know, slumber, still in my boxers. Uh, <laughs> And I like go to the front door and I see these like three drunk dudes arguing with everybody. And I'm like standing there and I'm like trying to assess this, the situation. I'm still like kind of out of it. Yeah. A little murky. Yeah. Yeah, And I was like, I just see the one guy who's being real mouthy and I just fucking leap off the stairs and I grab him around the neck and put him in a sleeper (laughs) chokehold and just like start choking the shit out of him <laughs> like, <laughs> like fuck this i'm putting it into this right now yes um i'm like wrapped up i'm in my boxers i think at this point yeah. still uh-huh. like just that's it maybe like i threw a Tony shirt Soprano on style. i don't know yeah, yeah. And i'm just yeah. like laying on the ground like and the other two dudes are like what the fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> um what they were not expecting to leap yeah no and Good. i was just like Fuck this! I'm over it. Uh, I was I like, mean, I want to go back to yeah. I want to yeah. go back to sleep. Basically, sure. it's like stop being a dick. Don't jump on the bus. You're being an yeah. asshole. Right, right. There's no reasoning with these people. I'm just gonna choke one of them. Let's stop um, this. Yeah, yeah. So I do that. I'm like, hold on. I remember the one guy was like, let him fucking go. He's turning purple. He's turning purple. Uh, and uh, and then I remember like the bigger of the guys like kind of leaned over me, ready to punch me. Uh huh. And then. I, I, it might've been Brad. I don't know. I don't even remember someone. They like looked up and it's like everybody standing there. Right. And they're just like, you you know, you don't want to do this. Like yeah, if you yeah. hit him, we're all going to beat the shit out of you basically. Right. Um, and then, yeah. So the guy like kind of backed off and then I, I like let the dude go. Uh, and then, yeah, I, 
think I went in. I maybe even like had another drink to calm myself yeah, down, yeah, and then yeah, I, sure then I put myself down. back to bed, <laughs> and I that was it. it. Yeah. So the lesson <laughs> to take from this: diplomacy does not work. <laughs> does sometimes there has to be violence to prove a point? Yeah. No, um, I think in that in that instance, you'd probably be able to scare the shit out of someone. I mean, yeah. It sounds and, like you were successful. And if it had to be like a chubby tattooed guy wearing boxers, like jumping and yeah. putting you in a sleeper hold in the middle of the, you know, the, the, yeah. the sidewalk in front of your friends, and then so be it. Just I don't jump it. on people's buses. Don't no, fuck with people's shit. Never, Mind your own business. Never. Never. Mind jump. your own business. Man, we were on tour once with uh, old Chuck Reagan, and someone decided, it was like a show in Belgium, and someone decided to run into the bus oh geez and i go to put my stuff in my bunk like after the show like my backpack like change of clothes or whatever and there's some fucking belgian kid in my bunk oh my god like like (laughs) who like jumps out like thinking it's funny and like runs out of the bus i'm like a little shocked i'm like what the fuck just happened like jesus christ and I walk out of the bus and I'm just getting my bearings. I'm like, that fucking kid was just on my bunk. Like, what is happening? And a few people are milling around and the kid's like around about to go around the corner. And I'm not, I actually was not planning on engaging it. Like, I was like, all right, like, that was fucking weird. Let me get some new sheets. I'm tired, you know? And all of a sudden, Chuck Reagan starts running around the corner <laughs> And I'm like, oh, God, Chuck's going to tear this guy apart. I'm like, let's go. Like, we got to save this Belgian kid from from a, from a bear attack, you know? Yeah. He's going to be skinned and barbecued. <laughs> save him. He'll be on a trigger in no time. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, and I walk around. And what do we find? But Chuck, like, has this guy, like, in his hands, in his, like, bear paws. But all he's doing is, like, schooling him on, like, why you shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? He's got his hands on him. He's like, brother, listen, that's brother, some, that's someone's home. You know, and he's like going into the whole thing. It just made the guy feel like shit for 90 seconds. Instead, it was I was like, man, I could never handle a situation so well. You know, I love it. If I'm running around the corner after someone, by the time I get there, I'm probably frantic. I'm just going to be pushing and hitting, you know, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's like. I love a, a stern talking to from Chuck is, you know, probably. Luckily, I've never gotten one. Yeah. I Chris Wallard, either, but... I got one from. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's another another podcast. But <laughs> the one last story I want from Mystery Friend. Of course, Brad Clifford told me that story. Um, okay. It's true that uh, Fat Mike played bass on one of your albums? Uh, he did on um, the uh, True Trans record. He... Um, we, that record was like really discombobulated and weird to make. It was made in like several sections. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, just like super weird time. And, uh, two of the songs, um, uh, fuck my life, six, six, six and unconditional love, uh, were like written later in the writing process. Mm. And uh, we didn't have a bass player. We didn't have anywhere to record. So Laura and I went to Motor Studios in San Francisco, which was Mike's old studio. Oh, okay. Um, And he actually played bass on those two songs. Wow. Um, And yeah, it was just like, hey, here are the songs. Sent them to him beforehand. Got there. 
And I was like, hey, so did you come up with anything? And he's like, nah, no, I listened to that one a couple times. And I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it was like, all right, cool. Do you, do you want to, like, you know, figure this out? And he's like, well, I did come up with this baseline, the unconditional love baseline. He came up uh, and he's like, oh, I kind of heard this, like, who thing. And, like, as, you know, the baseline's like, do, 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 do. Like, that was all yeah. Mike. He just, like, kind of oh, came cool. up with that. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Wow. Um, and then the other song, Fuck My Life 666, he, he was like, that song's like, the structure of it is kind of weird. Um, and he just had a hard time following it. So he just broke it down into sections. It was like, this song's super weird. I can't tell where I'm at. But he just <laughs> broke it down to sections and did the bass for that as well. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, those two songs were done uh, at everything except for the drums. Like uh, the guitars, vocals, bass um, were all done at uh, Motor. Nice. I think. I think that's right. And as but the savvy businessman Mike is, is is it, did he try, take some points on those songs or something? Uh, no, he did not. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. No, oh, that's he, cool. Uh, it was free of charge. We did pay for the studio time. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Now, now, James. We did also stay at the studios, which had like a dungeon built into. Like, <laughs> there's like, oh, oh. yeah, there's like some weird shit in there. Uh, <laughs> but, like, we're talking a leather studio. Uh, yeah, there was like, there wasn't that much weird stuff in there, but there was like the like horse bondage horse thing you get like right. tied up to. Yes, I've yeah, seen there's, it. there's one of those, <laughs> and like. Um, I was like pretty terrified to sleep in the bunk bed thing <laughs> there, but I did it anyways. It was fine. So you slept next to the bondage horse. I sl- it was right by my head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did it have like just a, a sexy vibe coming off it? Like you knew that horse had seen some things. It had seen some shit for sure. You know, <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. You know, well, yeah, here I am. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, you know, that's fucking funny. So James, now that we're an hour 15 in, Holy crap. I think it's safe to get to the raise. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> I came up with a list that I want you to check and confirm. Okay. okay? Hold on a second. I got to plug my computer in here. This might go. This might go a minute. All right. Oh, oh shit. Oh, my God. Told you. I'm in, like, the makeshift nursery. Oh, no. Do your thing, like, man. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Oh, all right. I'm in. Awesome. Good. Okay. So I came up with a list, which is the top five rays of all time. Ooh, okay. Which, you know, being that they've had a short career, it gets a little murky towards the end. So, you know, as uh, probably the most diehard Rays fan I know, actually definitely the most diehard Rays fan I know, and a person who has thrown out a first pitch at the game, am I correct? That is correct. I mean, you are you're about as big of a source as anyone could be is as much as Kevin cash. So here's my list. <laughs> now we're going to go with the obvious number one. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to scribble down some right here uh, as well. You said top five, right? Yeah. Wait. Okay. Then you do yours first. Oh, uh, okay. You, hold on. Yeah. Let's see I'm if st- you can I'm still, if, if I'm we still come scribbling. up the same off the top of the dome. Okay, uh, I think the greatest number one. Why don't we go? Are yours in any particular order? We we start one. One's fine. Or do you want to start with five? Is one being the highest or the lowest? Highest. Okay, let's start with five. Okay. Okay. Uh, my number five, I would have to say, is Carl Crawford. Okay. 
Lower than um, I thought. Okay, well, I'm trying to factor in these people here. You know, there's a lot of players. <laughs> do you go with like historical players? Do you go with current players? Do you go with like all time greats here? I mean, all all of the above. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to narrow down to sure just five. Is. Well, Carl Crawford's certainly on the list, so you nailed that. Okay. Okay, I'll just give you the few that pop in my head here. Uh, five, I guess four, I would say uh, brief tenure, but Wade Boggs. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and then also on the list, I mean, we got to put our, our friend BJ Upton on there. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, what is that? Four. Uh-huh. Uh, crime dog, Fred McGriff. Okay. And, uh, number one, in my opinion, these are no particular order except for this one, I guess, uh, greatest raised player of all time, Evan Longoria. Yeah. I think, I think Longoria is a shoe in. Yes. Uh, as the number one player of all time. Now I gotta be honest. I mean, our list only matched up twice. Okay, but I mean, I threw it. I was just, you caught me off guard. I didn't know we were going sure. for it, right? Okay, so Let me bring up list. one thing to you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, if, I, if I revise this <laughs> and I take Fred McGriff and Wade Boggs off because I didn't know how deep we're going here, uh-huh. you got to put Ben Zobrist on there. Yeah, okay. And then um, other than that, I mean, trying to think. Shit, there's been... The only okay, other two people on my list are two pitchers. Two pitch. Oh man, I didn't even get into the pitching. Uh, shit. Um, yeah, there's been some good ones. Wade Davis was really good for a minute. Uh, I don't know if he makes that list. Okay, let's hear yours. Okay, my list was Ben Zobrist. Yes. Yeah. James Shields. Oh yeah, James David Shields Price. I forgot about David Price. Too. Carl Crawford, Evan Longoria. I had Ben Zobrist like, and McGriff kind of tied yeah. at five. That's like 2008 Rays, like in a package right there. Yeah, that's almost the whole team, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're but right. Damn, Upton, Upton, my boy, deserves a shake for sure. He was great. I, I mean, you got to, you got to, the historical players like Wade Boggs and Fred McGriff, you got to, you know, you got to give them some love. Pitchers, I didn't even, you know, I don't know. I was just caught off guard. David Price, James Shields. I mean, uh, man, I mean, that 2008 staff, like Garza was really good. Salstein was really good. Um, I mean, I mean, even like late, like Isringhausen was around that time. (laughs) Like he was good. Like, uh, fun team. Uh, Troy Percival was there for a minute. Like he was, Still, like, fucking throwing knuckleballs in there, I think. I love how deep Uh, your Rays fandom goes. I mean, there's been so many. Like, and then there's, like, uh, I mean, Delman Young was there playing center field for a minute. Delman Uh, Young. Elijah Dukes, if you want to keep going down that. that How deep are we going? We going for the top 50 of all time? Uh, We're getting to Elijah Dukes. uh, Rocco Baldelli, (laughs) career cut short by, you know, like, some crazy... Could have been underlying. Yeah, like I mean, he was part of that 2008 team in the early year, mm-hmm. earlier in the year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I love it. I think we did good. We definitely, at least, I think we ended up doing the top 20. David Price, Chris Archer was had two really great years in in uh, St. Pete. Uh, See, this is why I'm going to take the Yankees shade from earlier because. 
watching you put this together, this list just makes me feel really good. I mean, and then I mean, you go we're, to we're cur- two minutes in, and you're getting to Elijah Dukes and Chris Archer playing for two years. It makes a Yankees fan feel all right, you know. You know, you because I'd, like, I'd still be in like Derek Jeter, Joe DiMaggio territory on my oh, list. You know, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows how great Derek Jeter was. I mean, it's yet to be seen how he is as an owner. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's um, great. As such a sycophant Yankees fan, like. I kind of root for the Marlins now. You have to, right? I have to. I'm just still pulling for my man. I want DJ to succeed, you know? It's true. So, all right, let's get off baseball before Brad commits Harry Carey or something. No, come on, Brad. He doesn't like it. What what does Brad like? We don't talk enough about Brad. I'm not a Scrooge. I'm not a Scrooge. Baseball. You guys talk about whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about what makes you happy. This is a safe place. Okay. You're a great got, color we, man, Brad. We got the You're like talk. Andy Richter. We got my Andy geek, Richter over here. I was happy with it with the geek talk on the pedals. So that was great. <laughs> okay. We can we can do more of that. That's fine. I want you to feel included. Yeah, yeah. But so I wanna finish off here with like, you know, as you know, my life is indistinguishably tied to Bruce Springsteen at this point because of the band and being from where I'm from and blah, blah, blah. Um, I shouldn't say it like that. It's a positive thing. Yeah. It's uh, like, what did yeah. he ever do to you? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, no, like, I don't know what I said it like that. Like, <laughs> of course, it's a great thing. But, uh, you know, I know like the bands and artists from Gainesville kind of uh, get into the same thing with Tom Petty, right? Like, for sure. Like that's sort of the, the barometer for everything. And um, so, what's your relationship with Petty? And, did it ever get like annoying to you hearing about that? Or you're just like stoked on him all the time? No, I mean, I mean, there's like some stinkers of Tom Petty songs for sure. Sure. But I mean, I mean, Tom Petty's great. Like one of my, one of my favorites. Um, uh, I mean, there definitely was, I don't know, like everything kind of gets compared back to Tom Petty in the games. Like Gainesville's super small, you know? So like right. if anyone gets out of there, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, I mean, there's also like Don Felder from the Eagles is from Gainesville. He went to Gainesville High School. Um, oh, yeah. There's like huh. weird, weird ties to like, I mean, not to mention everyone, almost everyone in the Heartbreakers band grew up in Gainesville. Like, that's cool. Um, uh, Stan Lynch had like a music store that we used to go to all the time. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That uh, it was called Sims Music and Sound. Him and this guy, Jeff Sims, um, oh, had, had this music store. That's awesome. And like, yeah, they would, it was cool. Like they had this trunk, like big road, road case trunk in the middle of the store. that had a drum set set up on it, which was one of Stan Lynch's like heartbreaker kits. Wow. Um, and every once in a while you go in and, and they, he would like open up the trunk and like take guitars out of it and he would sell them. How cool. Um, and one of them, like Laura has, um, like, I think it's a 64 Jaguar that came out of that trunk that belonged to Tom Petty. Whoa. Really? Um, yeah. And I got, I bought a guitar from there that is a, it's um, like a TV yellow Les Paul special. That was Mike Campbell's. Whoa. Um, really? So, That's a yeah, cool guitar. So I, you so own a like, Mike Campbell guitar. I do. Very cool. I do. And we used to go there. We buy like amps and guitars and all sorts of stuff from there. Um, and they were great. Gains is it one like, of those situations too? Like, you know, like you said, such a small city. Do you just constantly, are you meeting people who like, 
Oh, I saw Petty, you know, his first show back in the day. Oh, I went to high school with Mike. Like, is it just uh, that local of a connection still? Not, not really. No. I mean, there's like, you know, the, the people that have like connections still and like, uh, bring it up every once in a while, but it's not like a, I don't know. I think Gainesville, like maybe back in the day used to be like a little more prevalent, but it seems like Gainesville's changed so much and changes every year because, you know, being small and being a college town, there's like new people here and there mm. every year. So yeah, right. I think a lot of that gets lost, but, um, but there's definitely like, you know, people still bring it up or talk about it. Um, I, I do think it's funny that like after, you know, uh, I, from what I hear, like he notoriously hated Gainesville. Like he hated, hated the place, never really went back. Oh, really? Only played one show there in like his entire career after wow. making, after moving away. And it was in, I don't even remember what it was, uh, 2007, maybe we went, it was at the like, uh, Gator basketball arena, the huh. O-Dome. Um, the strokes opened up. It was really weird. That's weird. Yeah. Um, but we went to the show and that was like the first Tom Petty show there in like, 25 or 30 years or something oh, like that okay and now he's like you know passed passed away uh there's like tom petty park and like all these murals and stuff and it's like well he fucking hated gainesville like, yeah, yeah. everybody like it's like now the town's like oh we love tom petty was he um, was he actually like outspoken during his career about that uh i don't think it was like gainesville in general i think it was just like you know you know, maybe ref- there's nothing that happens there. You know, it's right. just like really slow moving. Yeah, now that Gator just- Dogs is closed, what the fuck? <laughs> Gator Dogs? What? I love that spot. What is that? That was that college hot dog spot that was like around the corner from No Idea on the oh. main street. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that, that place. The same guy owned it forever. I always saw him in there, but they had I, veggie dogs. They did. I totally forgot about the place. Dude, and that's like, that's an old school. <laughs> that was my Gainesville spot. I'll tell you a funny story about that because I went to Gator Dogs. I That was like, if Ga- you know any of my bands were in Gainesville and then especially Gaslight, I was like, yo, I'm eating at Gator Dogs. Like, who's coming? And mine was the Tater Dog. So I got the veggie dog and it had uh, fried onions, cheese sauce, and tater tots. And it's one of the greatest fucking things ever. I I could eat three of them (laughs) right now if it was in front of me. And I remember on that tour, we were planning on having a grilled cheese eating competition in Austin, me and Sleazy. (laughs) And we were prepping for this competition. I've been talking shit for weeks. I was like, yo, you don't even fucking know. And, uh, the loser of said competition had to get a grilled cheese sandwich with wings tattooed on them somewhere. So I I was taking this pretty seriously. And we went to eat together at Gator Dogs and he watched me like slam like three of these things. And he's like, oh shit. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I think that's when I first got in his head on a competitive level (laughs) was watching me be a a fucking pig at Gator Dogs. That's amazing. How how did Gainesville (laughs) change that much? Is it just like... Is it just so much more oriented towards the college now than it used to be? Yeah, like uh, the college is like ever expanding. Um, And with that comes like, you know, uh, more more employees, more more students, uh, more spaces are needed for those people to live. So it's like full of condos now. Um, A lot of the older buildings that, you know, 
used to have like, you know, wayward council, like the indie record right. store and like venues and stuff are gone. And there's just like, you know, either been torn down with plans to build these condos or there's like these huge, you know, I say huge high rises, but for Gainesville, you know, a, <laughs> a 12 story, like, like giant condominium is, is huge, you know, yeah, sure. um, yeah. especially up and down the main, you know, university, where, which was just small, like a really small yeah, town yeah, feel. Pretty low town, yeah. Yeah, like most of those are all gone now. Um, the downtown is like changing a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just like I don't when would, I don't even know the last time you were probably there, but uh, maybe a few years ago at Fest or something. But yeah, even yeah. From from then, like I think actually the, I saw you the last time I was there. Okay, I remember. Yeah. That. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I do remember. You remember that day? That was yeah. someone was talking a little shit. I yeah, was and little, you're like, "What the fuck, man? Where's yeah. God bought the shirt?" <laughs> I'll like, tell the story. I don't care. I was watching. It was, yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah we showed I mean, we showed up to that main stage. You know, Mercy Union was playing like the next day, and you know, at a bar or something. And I show up to this stage, and I see Dead to Me playing. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I love Dead to Me. I haven't seen them in ages. I'm listening to a couple songs. I'm like, I'd love to get Dead to Me hoodie, you know? I go up to a merch. I know those guys. I probably could have gotten one if I wanted. But I went up to the merch table. I spent fucking 30 bucks or whatever and bought a new hoodie and I'm rocking it. And literally, like, six minutes later, Chicken's on stage. I haven't seen the guy in years. Gaslight's had no connection with him. And he starts talking shit. <laughs> I'm like, where the fuck is this coming from? He doesn't even know I'm here. Like, what's going it, on? Yeah. It was and then, like just perfect timing, like running yeah. in you, right? And you're like, God damn it, just bought this hood. <laughs> yeah, you and Vanessa like saw me first, right? Yeah. After that. And then I just straight up jerseyed him, you know, like he got off stage and I see him backstage. And I'm like, chicken, what's up, man? And I could see real quick. He's like, oh, shit. Like, why yeah, is Benny like, here? Yeah, you know? didn't think he's that not was following happen. my career. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, what's up, dude? Like, just bought your hoodie, rocking it. I'm like, that was cool that you were talking shit on stage. Where the fuck did that come from? You know? And chicken, like, of course, it's just like, uh, uh, oh, dude, I'm sorry. You know, like immediately. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I don't know why I did that. You know, starts pulling that shit. I gotta be honest. Had a tough time wearing the hoodie after that. I was like, "Come on, man!" Yeah, no. you don't even know where it is. It's gone. You know, I did enjoy wearing it this last couple of years because it has like a cop car and fire on the back, and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I enjoy a statement piece in the time of Trump. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't hate the hoodie, but I just can't, I can't wear it to like a show right now or something. I can't yeah. rep. You know, I can't yeah. rep. It was perfect timing though. Like, yeah, it really. Walk was. in, you're like, God damn it. <laughs> And, you know, luckily yeah. I saw a couple people from Red City Radio and stuff. Got got me a little high, and I stopped caring. But yeah, yeah, for sure. You know how it is. I totally forgot you two were the ones that I saw when I was all fucking worked up. <laughs> it was immediate. Like you yeah. just bought the hoodie. He just said that, and then you walked up, and we could just see it on your face. It's yeah. like, oh man. He's <laughs> gonna say something to this. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and that comes right back around to like Jersey. Yeah, the difference. You know, it's like you're. You know, you're a little pissed. You're not just going to blow it off. You're going to be like, hey, what the fuck, man? Yeah, like 100%. I, I can't even imagine blowing that off. I would I would stew for days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that elephant out of the room like immediately. That's true. You know? Just immediately, but, yeah. Just yeah. address it, move on, enjoy right. your weekend, right? No more gator dogs. Too no, much college. I think gone. we're better in Jersey, man. Let's, let's have our yeah. good pizza, our honesty, and maybe we should see each other. That, I mean, I would love that. Yeah, um, that'd be you're, fun. Yeah, you're not that far away. 
No, no, and I got um, a great place to host to host you and, and Vanessa and the child these days. We should do that, it. That would be fantastic. Thanks for coming on and doing this. It was yeah. that was really fun. It was fun. I I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, you know oh. what I forgot to ask him, and I should have. What is that? One of the best Goop shows that I remember was in um, St. Pete's. And oh, right. Like, it would have been time just right for when those guys were there. And like uh, of, the, yeah. of the right age, it would probably would have been about 16, 17. It was all, we did a show in 95 with Sam I Am that was sold out at the State Theater, I think it Makes was. Makes sense for that show, yeah. And then we came back the next, let's see, we came back. Yeah, maybe it was a year later. We came back, and I think we even were getting some radio play then, and, and we played to a packed house. I think it was sold out, too. Um, that would have been 96, so, like, it kind of lines up. Yeah, it's a good chance. You think, I don't know, if they might have been too supercharged to go see Sam I Am. Yeah, I, I know that maybe not <laughs> Sam I Am, but I was hoping, like, in the, you know, I have this wish that, like, wouldn't it be awesome if the, the young against me's were there? I mean, let's say it's possible. I'm going to I'm going to say they were there. Let's go ahead and say <laughs> it's possible. That's a cool town. I've actually spent a lot of time in it. My I got a father in Tampa now. I got a brother-in-law in St. Pete. He's really active in that community. I just saw some uh images today of him wearing a fucking hazmat suit on a paddleboard <laughs> with that red bloom going on down oh, there. Oh, really? Red tide. Yeah, it's oh, that's sad. Sucks. I mean, he showed all these images of literal dumpsters on the right on the the edge of the sea that people are using to dump dead fish. Oh no, um, really? Yeah, yeah, it's really quite bad. Uh that sucks. I know. What a bummer. Yeah. So, if anyone could do anything to help, you know, let's uh let's do it. <laughs> Try to get in the, You know, I was thinking about that the other day like I you know, I'm in the what's the best way that like someone like me can effectively help the environment these days. Like what's someone who's, you know, I own a house, I own a car, I need a car. Uh, like, you know, what I do for work with my family, like what, what are like the actual tangible, simple steps that make an actual impact? I would say that you personally do have a, you know, a a um, small but reasonably sized sort of following that you could spread the word to. They're probably all fucking enlightened already about stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's probably the best thing you could personally could do. I feel I've always taken the, you know, the approach of like the sort of like just plow ahead with, with the way that you feel everybody else should be, which well, is let's, hard. Let's, let's say more tangible, more tangible, less emotional. Like, what actually makes more of a difference? Me buying an electric car, me putting a solar system into my house. Uh, you know, I already do a little composting. You know, like what like what's an actual thing you can do that will you know, if you set that example, it actually like could trickle into something more sustainable. I got to yeah. put a fucking windmill on my lawn or something? No, I, I mean, do it. yeah, do everything. Yeah, do all of it. Do all the stuff. There was a time when solar panels cost so much they were not worth it, you know? Right. 
Um, and people did it anyways because of the reasons I'm saying is they wanted to like they wanted to be proactive even if like you know it wasn't saving them money they you know it's like they're it was the right thing to do and now because of that they are affordable. There's a uh, bidet at my new house. Ooh, that's awesome. So I love a bidet. So I've been uh, <laughs> saving some toilet paper. Uh, dude, yeah. If I ever build a house, there'll be a bidet in every bathroom. In every one. Yeah. Big fan, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a quasi-European girlfriend years ago, and they uh, just she kind of turned me on to the bidet. And I've I'm sorry, what does quasi-European mean? <laughs> yeah, she, oh, I don't know. Half European, let's say. Much appreciate James coming on. Always looking forward to seeing the music he will create, and now the pedals he will create. I'm sure I'm going to be blasted with him twice a week for the remaining days of my life if james is successful um yeah it's bowman audio endeavors is the name of the pedal company and um yeah just they're can, very handsome very uh, handsome pedals. You put an underscore in between those you can look them up on instagram there's some cool videos on youtube that show the show i'm being used um his instagram is jimmy james b is twitter which i don't think it's a ton of use but it's uh Jimmy James underscore B. Cool. And then, of course, you know, everybody else involved there. There's some. You know, against me. You've heard of the group. (laughs) You've heard of the group. And big thanks to Vanessa, Vanessa Burt, old friend, uh, current wife of James, who uh, connected us and gave me some some nice, meaty information getting into it. She's the best. (laughs) Right. So thanks to Vanessa as well. And thanks to all of you and the patrons who continue to support us on Patreon.com. Yeah. Thursday night got deep this week. (laughs) Got a little too deep. Got deep. (laughs) Went to like 11 o'clock. Existential. Just what I wanted. You love it. (laughs) I do. What else am I going to talk about? That's good. You're right. Well, what are you guys listening to? I'm like, (laughs) all I'm listening to is Turnstile. Can we talk about death, please? (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so thanks to everyone for listening to Going Off Track, the podcast, <laughs> the flamethrower, the lunchbox. We need more merch. <laughs> <laughs>